Section 17 of The Desirable Alien at Home in Germany by Violet Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 16 How it feels to be members of subject races by Ford Maddox Hepper. Down below at the bottom of the hill with the many barrows, a dog barked unceasingly. It is absurd the amount of colour they get into these German landscapes. It is almost as if nature had gone mad. The only thing that beneath the hot sun was sober was the bit of hilltop with the barrows where we lay. The hill might have been a little piece of an English down, dun-coloured, irregular, and quarried again and again. But the ploughed land that came up to our feet was reddish in the highlights and purplish in the shadow. The boughs of the apple trees, absurdly thick with nacreous blossom, pushed themselves wildly up at the blue sky between the scarlet roofs of the houses that were whitewashed and then painted between their black timbers with bouquets of flowers, stags or pious, joyous, complacent or defiant verses. One of these verses, as we had come up through the village, we had observed to run, God helped me to build this house. If you mock at its appearance, you will not hurt me, for with the aid of God I built it to please myself. And lying one day on just this range of hills, an old Landgraf Heinrich, eight hundred years ago, made up this verse. There is no place so pleasant as this valley that I look upon, for it has a river that is beloved, good hunting, pleasant woods, fine hills, and excellent feeding, as well as many apple trees and songbirds. And triumphantly he adds, Und dat ik mein, and that I think, and that is mine. He must have been a fine old man, and all that he said of his valley, which contains still the beloved river line, all that he said is true. The dog continued to bark incessantly, 240 little sharp barks to the minute, and then suddenly it came into our heads to observe that the creature was standing planted just outside its hedge and barking at us. We lay quite still. The dog stood perfectly still and barked. It seemed to resemble the result of several crosses between a rat, a rabbit, and a wire-haired terrier. But it was so far down the hill that the sharp notes of its voice were no more disturbing than the rustle of wind in the false-sprint grass on the barrows. And suddenly again it came into our heads to wonder whose territory the dog with such a querulous valiance was defending against us people who lay among the forgotten dead. We could not say without looking at a map whether this country was the Kingdom of Hanover, the Duchy of Brunswick, Westphalia, or Prussia proper. It has been all these things by turns, and it is certainly Prussia now. There is no doubt about that. And once, in addition, it was certainly English territory in a manner of speaking, and once, without any figure of speech at all, it was much more certainly part of the empire of France. 
now the peace of prussia broods all across the broad landscape conquered territory that is what it all is and the cross between a hanover rat and an irish terrier continued vociferously to defend it after all that was patriotism consider all the owners of this land from henry the lion till the days of imperial chancellor bateman holdick consider their splendid feats or the mere tough obstinacy of their patriotism consider how they won great fights and lost all their territories it does not matter whether it was george by the grace of god king of great britain france and ireland who got hold of Sella by marriage with dorothea of that ilk and then got rid of dorothea it does not matter that george the second fought with the obstinacy of that rat dog at dettingen it does not matter that in eighteen hundred and nine the duke frederick william quote, with only nineteen hundred men pierced through the all-conquering french from bohemia to the river weser unquote. he took halberstadt by storm he beat back the french before the very gates of the town which from our barrows we can see in the distance he pierced through till he came to the north sea and to england he fought with his troop in the peninsula and fell at quatre bras two days before waterloo he and his nineteen hundred men were the black brunswickers and it is a good thing to remember what they did and lying in the hot sun on the brown grass looking at all this conquered territory we remember that we too are conquered it is an odd sleepy thought far below us lies what was once in a manner of speaking english territory on the barracks just by the town gate we shall see still the royal arms of england and below us lies what was once westphalian territory and in a manner of speaking we are westphalian actually we the conquered are subjects of the grand duke of hessen darmstadt und bei rhein a most charming potentate but we hessians in moments of picturesque depression are accustomed to say that we are not prussians but must prussians we don't want to be but we cannot help it we have against prussia numbers of grievances connected with railways and all sorts of little things so that we lying among the barrows are most extraordinarily conquered people we could not be more conquered if we tried the sun is very warm the sky is very blue the dog rabbit rat entertains us with the queer sound of its two hundred and forty barks a minute but are we english westphalian hessian a queer mixture like that of the rat rabbit dog are we going to get up and do anything about it not a bit of it we shall not be even as energetic as the triple quadruped we have not got so much as a bark in us and why it is disgraceful to be conquered it ought to be mortifying to lie with a threefold mailed heel upon our throats but really we cannot feel disgraced we cannot feel mortified we can only feel it odd that we don't for consider this tremendous prussia that lies all abroad across this land 
more evenly than the light of the sun itself. Look at the old, old town on the horizon. Mark how its roofs smoulder in the sunlight, and its cathedral towers burn with their burnished gold. No doubt the man who could write triumphantly eight hundred years ago, Und dat ich mein, no doubt his ghost, if he be sitting beside us among the barrows, sees little enough of change in this valley of the beloved line. And yet, from the corners of our eyes, we can perceive the difference that there is. Just round the corner of the hill there comes a shower of apple blossoms. They seem to be arranged, in this absurd country where everything is decorative, they seem to be arranged like a Japanese screen to hide what the difference really is. Yet this screen the eye can pierce. There they are, five, seven, a dozen of them, immensely tall, thin, black, throwing up from their summits like defiant banners their plumes of smoke. They are the factory chimneys, and the factory chimneys are what, along with peace, Prussia has given to these Hanoverian lands. And along with them go the broad, white, modern suburbs that from here the trees hide. Along with them go the easy, pleasant electric trams, the funny-looking electric trains that connect, every ten minutes or so, each of the large historic towns of this countryside. Prussia has conquered us, but undoubtedly Prussia has given us plenty along with peace. We are probably much more poetic than any Prussian. All our poetry is said to come from south of Frankfurt on the Main, and we cannot imagine any Prussian lying conquered amongst barrows and moralising about the barking of a dog that resembles a rat. We are probably even more valiant in a swift way than the Prussians. It was not Prussia who produced the Black Brunswickers. We could probably get up and beat any blessed nation at any blessed moment, but it will be just like Langensalza. At Langensalza in 1866, King George V and last of Hanover beat the Prussians quite handsomely, but he woke up to find that every spot in Hanover was in the possession of the Prussians, every spot with the exception of the field of Langensalza. And that is just like us. On a hill that we can see from here, our ancestors, the common ancestors of us English, Westphalian, Hanoverians, having hopelessly defeated a Caesar in the forests a little to the south, on that hill, where there is an excellent tea garden, our ancestors buried a complete solid silver table service for four Roman noblemen. Yet the Romans were about the only people who never conquered us after we had splendidly defeated them. And we may suppose that that table service which our ancestors buried was about the only booty that we ever made by our heroism and kept for a reasonable space of time. We did keep it for some 1800 years, and no doubt we should keep it today buried in a hill. But in 1868 some Prussians, coming rubbing about, putting up a waterworks or something useful and modern, found that table service, 
it is now naturally in berlin and that is perhaps the moral of the whole story for us saxons and anglo-saxons it is like the moral of the rat-dog that keeps up its barking perpetually through these sentences for some of us are poets and some of us in the great stretches of moor and heather that at the due seasons turn all this countryside wine purple into eternal distances some of us name any of us have the second sight now and then we can produce heroes by the nineteen hundred or heroes in little boats full that go out and attack armadas but in between we seem to have our periods of slackness we have them inevitably the other day an excellent energetic and quite english lady said to a summer in kensington i wish to heaven the prussians would conquer this country and administer it then there would be an end of our disgusting slackness this seemed to us at the moment an astonishing opinion but lying here lazily among the barrows we realise suddenly that it is comprehensible enough if the prussians had england if the prussians had england you know lying here it almost seems inevitable not today not tomorrow not in ten years not in twenty not in any time into which there will survive any of the passions or bitternesses of today but in some time when the english won't care and the prussians will that is the real secret of it all there always comes a time when we don't care there never was and there never will be a time when these formidable products of the mark of brandenburg were not and will not be sleeplessly upon the watch it is like the case of the prisoner that somebody once put we don't remember where the prisoner given life must always in the end escape for the jailer must always in the end grow tired of the game and relax his vigilance he may wake to earnestness once more but then it will be too late and lying there the dog is still barking we suddenly begin to think of those green fertile and immensely wealthy islands in the western sea and just for a moment we think of what is called home politics and then with a quick shudder we drop the thought for we are not politicians of any politics that today can show beneath the light of the sun we are what is called high tories but immensely immensely high we are the people who win terrific victories against enormous odds in the game of tennis or in the other game of tennis that used to be played with stone balls but in the end some prussian some jew or some radical politician will sleeplessly get the best of us and take away the prizes of our game that is the way god arranges it who arranged alike the barrows the beloved little river of the line who set courage in the hearts of the nineteen hundred in black garments that went quote, from bohemia to the river weser unquote, and who set it in the hearts of the prussians that it is for them to administer and to administer and again to administer for the love of the thing just as for the love of words we utter them and with the shadow of the thought of 
home politics still upon us, we say once more, it is the will of God. Rat, dog, rabbit, English, Westphalian, Hessian. One of the three will rule us in the end, Prussian, Jew or hungry tradesman. And for ourselves, we say as we get up and go down the hill, please God that it will be the Prussian. He at least will administer, will enrich us, and will leave us somewhere some barrows in the sun amongst which to lie. Possibly he will even put up an Aussichtsturm and a tea garden. At any rate, he alone of those three sleepless ones will not strip us naked to the breezes. We go down the hill by a sunken road. On the hot turf just above our faces, the absurd dog stands with its legs firmly planted and barks at us. Pushing through the hawthorn hedge of the first house in the village, there comes another dog. But it is a puppy. It is smaller than a rat. It resembles a brown cloth child's toy. It is the child of the rat-dog-rabbit, and it is more absurd than any creature reported by Sir Richard Mandeville or by Gulliver. It plants its four legs in the warm turf, and it barks, and it barks. We stand and look at it, and it continues to bark. It does not move. Nothing will move it. It is administering. That breed will not die out, you see. There are some people who desire accuracies, though one write never so, quote, impressionistically, unquote. The city to which we have referred is not Hanover, is not Brunswick, is not Osnabrück, is not Celle, is not any actual city, but contains what we like to remember as an impression of all these. Similarly, it is not even Hamelin of the Rats. Similarly, we really know that this stretch of country was never pedagogically English territory. It was country united under the sovereignty of the wearer of the English crown by what was called the personal union. But that would have been good enough for Prussia. In the year 1837, this country passed from under the sway of the ruler of Great Britain owing to a trifle called the Salic Law. Speaking in accurate English, the Salic Law was not a trifle, but it has not bothered the Prussian gullet much. Some time ago I was standing in the yard of a brewery in Ashford, which is in Kent, an immense drayman was about to drink down a pot of ale. He was called into the office and he set his pot on the tail of his cart. Some evil practical jokers who were standing by dropped a dead mouse into the pot. Out comes the drayman, lifts the pot to his mouth, drinks down at one draught the ale and the mouse, and then, having wiped his mouth upon his sleeve, he remarked, a hop or a cork. To the wonder and admiration of all beholders, End of section 17